I've always been intrigued by the stories of people in the jewelry industry who make these items, what inspires them and brings them to this world. I'm here to share their stories. This is A Thousand Facets. Whenever I speak to people about responsible gemstone practices, everyone says you need to speak to Christina Villegas. Christina, the director of Minds to Market at the non-governmental organization PACT, launched Major Gems in 2019 with the purpose to educate and empower women miners. With programs in Tanzania and Kenya, Christina is working to make the gemstone market a more responsible, transparent, safer, and fair business. I hope you enjoyed this truly important conversation. Hi, Christina. Hello, hello. How are you? I'm good. A bit hot today uh, in DC, but I'm good otherwise. I know, it's so hot here. It was like 96 degrees yesterday and I was melting. So every time that um, I speak about responsible sourcing, responsibility, like ethical, like every time that I talk to somebody about that, they said, you have to talk to Christina. Like everybody just says, you have to talk to Christina. So I'm like, all right, let me contact her. So I sent you a message. And so you did. <laughs> and so I sent you a message on Instagram and I'm like, okay, I think we need to meet because you have so much information. I'm like, right now, I'm like a sponge that I want to learn everything about uh, ethical uh, sustainability, like ethical uh, mining, sustainability, responsible sourcing. Like I want to, like I've been learning like pieces for years, but I just want to be a very knowledgeable person, try to explain things to people in a, you know, more educated way. I'm not the most articulate person, but I'm going to, you know, but I, I, that's why I have people like you to talk to. Well, where do you grow up? I grew up in uh, Northern California in Sacramento um, and a little town called Orangevale, which um, it used to be separate from Sacramento, but now it's like a suburb of Sacramento. It's the, you know, the capital of California. There's a very interesting train museum in Sacramento. Oh, yes. I grew up, I, uh, when I was little, I used to go, I used to love going there. Um, the train that, yeah, connected west and east uh, with the, um, I don't know if it, I think the gold rush um, spurred its development. I don't think it was before the gold rush, but yeah, um, you know, people, you know, um, resettled the American West because of uh, gold that was found in the Sacramento American River. Um, and uh, yeah, so I grew up going to that train museum, but also going to, um, you know, different historical sites where the gold rush happened. And of course, there was indigenous people living there, be- you know, before all the all the outsiders came. Um, so that's part of the history. But um, California transformed because of uh, gold that was found in uh, 1849. Wow, the forty nine oh, and it's oh, there you go. I didn't know mm-hmm. that. Thank you for yep. that fact. Mm-hmm. And yep. that's very interesting because that's part of the conversation that we're gonna have today. And it's like really interesting that you grew up in a place where the gold rush was happening. That sounds really fascinating. So, um, how do you went from growing in Sacramento to like really understanding sustainability? Sorry that I'm like giving you like a big spot, but I wanna like because it's it's a very interesting path to take. So I'm just very fascinated to know your journey. 
Well, I can tell you that if you would have told, you know, 18 year old me or even 22 year old me that I was one day be in mining, I would have looked at you like you're crazy um, because I had no interest. And mining but, has a lot of baggage, a lot of negative associations. So exactly. why on earth would I be involved with that? What did you want um, to do before like mining? Like, like you started your journey What was, when you were a teenager? What was your passion? Yeah, I wanted to um, be a journalist, actually. Oh, really? um, and I got into Northwestern's like middle school of journalism. And then, um, you know, I started seeing some of the changes. It was 1998. I graduated high school and started seeing some of the changes that was happening and um, that it probably wasn't a good idea to get into journalism with the internet and that changed financial model. So I decided to go to San Diego instead because of the beaches. Um, but yeah, then I moved to DC for lots of reasons, but um, mainly because um, international development was based out there. And I had done an internship in uh, Santiago, Chile in college mm -hmm. and um, knew I wanted to work internationally somehow. Didn't quite know what that would look like, if it was like with the airlines or I don't know. I had no idea. Mm -hmm. And then um, a friend of mine worked for the World Bank, which is a large like international development kind of organization giving grants and loans. Um, and uh, so as an undergraduate, um, they recommended me uh, to be have an internship there. So I worked in DC and then realized there's this whole field called international development. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, after college, I moved from San Diego to DC of a culture shock there was no mexican food <laughs> to be seen <laughs> i wanted sushi and i wanted burritos and <laughs> um but yeah then i started working um for a group called the fund for global human rights and mm -hmm. more and more of its grants internationally were to small indigenous rights groups environmental groups um, in the middle of nowhere that were experiencing what's called point source pollution problems um, mm -hmm. so they could prove that you know the river was being contaminated or that um, they're being violently thrown off their land um, but the courts weren't working with them because of corruption or because they just lots of reasons um, yeah. they've been paid off so um i just got really interested in where human rights extractives um rural development and corporate supply chains through mining all kind of collide but again i wasn't sure what that looked like and i was kind of scared what a career might look like because yeah. i didn't want to be in far-flung places with security challenges and mm -hmm. be in harm's way. I know. Um, and so I moved to London because I went to grad school there and then accidentally uh, started working with one of the top um, uh, experts in the world focused on something weird little sector called artisanal and small-scale mining. <laughs> and um, I can explain what that is, but yeah, um, that um, that's kind of how I ended up in this kind of weird space of rural development, um, you know, absence of the state, supply chains, um, and jewelry just because, uh, well, I like it. <laughs> um, but Beautiful. also when I started working for this global expert, uh, her name's Estelle Levin. I was her first employee. Um, the gold price was at, was at near all-time highs. And what was happening was that artisanal miners um, – were invading conservation areas because mm. um, they were unmined and mm -hmm. the gold price was high. And so they could make much more money mining than they could farming or even teaching in the classroom. Um, so uh, my first, my first projects were in gold. 
um, mm-hmm. and then diamonds and then other things. But I got introduced to jewelry pretty early on. So that's kind of the the way I got into it was through the human rights lens um, and then gold pretty quickly. Um, and then here I am. <laughs> um, oh, wow. I joined PACT a few years later and I've been at PACT, which is a big international organization that runs the biggest mining programs and development programs in the world. Um, I've been there for about almost 10 years now. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. That's some, that's like, I'm like, I don't even know what to say. Like, I'm like, oh my God, I feel so tiny compared to like everything that you have accomplished. <laughs> it's just amazing. And, and I can imagine like, oh, how many countries have you visited? How many like mm. mining spaces have you visited? I've been to 60 countries um, wow. and I, people are actually surprised it's not more because I used to travel like a beast, um, mm-hmm. be- especially before the pandemic. And, um, but I go back to the same countries over and over and over again, because um, uh, I really like to know places very deeply. Yeah. And uh, I remember before the pandemic, I was in Tanzania so much that our um, office security in Tanzania and, and Dar es Salaam, they thought I actually lived there. <laughs> and they're like, welcome back, welcome home. <laughs> and I was laughing. I was like, I don't actually live here. I'm, you know, I'm just visiting. But they're like, you're here all the time. Exactly. And so, um, yeah. So, you know, uh, my Swahili is still um, pretty poor. But, um, you know, much the chagrin of my my colleagues in Tanzania to keep trying to improve it. But um, if I live there one day, it'll improve. So um, can you tell me, like, what countries have you visited more? And, like, what... Um, changes have you seen in those countries from the moment that you first went to like now? Mm-hmm. Um, by far the most co- most country, the country I've most frequently visited is Tanzania, mm-hmm. um, probably followed by Uganda and Kenya. I used to live in Uganda um, oh, wow. uh, after grad school. I went down there and um yeah, but I've seen the most change in Tanzania, um, and I speak about it the most. Um, I think it's been really, it's been really cool when you focus on one country and you, you keep going back and you keep going back and you find allies. Um, I first met um, the Tanzanian Women Miners Association called Tuoma. Um, they have about three thousand women miners across Tanzania, about two thirds of which are without their license. So mm-hmm. technically informal some people say illegal but um they're human beings i don't like to use the word illegal Mm -hmm. um and they're just trying to make a living and they're not criminals um i've been working with them formally for the last six years but um i've met them about 10 years ago and um wow like they i was so impressed when i first met them because they were so passionate about their members and so clearly connected to them and i ended up finding out that they're miners leading other miners um and so um with with tuoma both men and women can join and of course you know men mine too la 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 oh, <laughs> i guess they do <laughs> um, but women That's are not one, possible <laughs> but women are one one third of all miners worldwide really people don't know that people one oh. third of all miners i My know God. people are shocked and they try to fight with me about that statistic and then they realize i'm I'm right <laughs> but um there it's 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 under documented um it's because of research bias um yeah. but um when you look out for women um you start seeing them when you but you have to be proactive in your research um yeah so i met them 10 years ago i was just really impressed um they <laughs> 
I had convened a group of um, uh, their leaders and about a program that I was running, and they told me I had designed it backwards. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I admire them because they, they were they were right, and they're like, yeah. you know, if you if we were you, we would do it this way. Yeah, and they were mostly right. Um, so I just really appreciated them telling me the truth and not being intimidated. Yeah. Um, and I knew when to work with them. So uh, a few years later, I found the chance uh, through a GIA project, uh, Gemological Institute of America um, project, and um, which went really well. And I can tell you about it if you'd like. Sure. Um, yeah, I was focused on um, bringing gemological education to the people who are mining the stuff. So because mm-hmm. um, previously, and maybe I think still, um you know, miners are an invisible workforce, mm-hmm. um, especially artisanal and small-scale miners, which are people using shovels and picks and human strength mm-hmm. to dig minerals out of the ground. Yeah. Um, and occasionally they'll start um, using an excavator or um, you'll start seeing more dump trucks, like start seeing more planned mine sites. And that's more small-scale mining. Yeah. But ASM is artisanal and small-scale mining. And um, it's the biggest part of the mining sector worldwide. of all mine labor worldwide is ASM. Oh, wow. And these are people, again, using shovels and picks and human strength, 90%. Oh, oh my God. On a global level, the production is about 10% of all minerals, but 90% of all labor, because it's pretty inefficient um, Mm -hmm. because they're not using mechanization. Yeah. Um, From a production point of view, large-scale mining, which is like these large concessions with millions and billions of dollars in investment, they produce about 90% of all materials worldwide, Mm -hmm. um, all minerals worldwide, but um, have about 10% of the labor. And so whenever a large-scale company um, comes to an area, everybody thinks they're going to get a job. Yeah. But in fact, that's not true. Mm -hmm. (laughs) They hire highly skilled people. And there's only a few security jobs or a few, um, you know, jobs in, in the kitchens. Um, it's really artisanal and small-scale mining. That's the job creator. Um, and it's a, it's the first or second largest um, non-farm income in Africa is mm. artisanal mining. Wow. Talk about, like, livelihood impact, right? Yeah. <laughs> so you think about, like, there's a huge workforce, 45 million people, uh, one-third are women, um, first or second biggest non-farm employment in Africa. Um, and you start realizing mining is about people. Exactly. And um, the incentives have to appeal to people. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you can't just say, oh, you know, you should get your license. Why on earth should you be licensed? Mm-hmm. Um, I got off track a bit, but. No, um, no I'm, I'm like, I'm like, tell me more. I'm like, <laughs> I, my brain is like absorbing everything. <laughs> So, yeah, so I was meeting these women, uh, miners, and, um, uh, yeah, GIA uh, wanted to do a program, and I said, you know, I told GIA, I told Robert Walden at GIA, I said, hey, um, you know, do you mind if we start with women? Um, Because they are always overlooked. Yeah. People don't think they mine. Um, And then they get skipped uh, for education programs. Um, They don't... uh, they don't get included in finance, like access to finance programs, because people don't think they're minors. Yeah. It's pure discrimination. Of um, there's like this visibility crisis. Yeah. And um, Robert, um, he's a huge feminist. And um, he's like, you know, um, if there's a challenge, let's address it head on. And I was like, that's the right answer. Exactly. <laughs> so um, we, I, I reached out to Tuoma and they were eager to, to team up. 
and um, their members leaned in and um, we taught them how to sort the materials, how to how to um, sort by value factors, how to reveal like a star and a star sapphire, for example, yeah. um, how to clean their gems properly and you might be confused by that. You're like, oh, of course, they're going to present clean gems. No, they're not. Like yeah. routinely people present their gems to me and they're dirty. And that's a, it's an indicator that they don't know what they have. Exactly. And so GIA had learned just through lots of field research that um, the people who are mining the gems know the least about them mm-hmm. and they're being taken advantage of exactly. by lots of market forces. That's yes. that's my words, not theirs, but that's um, that's a gist. And so they had approached me um, to do this education program and these women just through some simple education had increased their incomes between three and five times. Oh my God. And that's amazing. Like, that's the education. You're, mm-hmm. you're like, you open a door for them to really take charge of their lives which is you know in those countries like women are always overlooked in so many ways and the fact that they can be independent and be like you know the breadwinners in their family and a lot Mm -hmm. of them are single moms i'm sure exactly you know so it's like it's so beautiful and and like rewarding to do this kind of work it is. Um, it's not always easy. <laughs> Let's no, be very clear. Oh, no, I can imagine. <laughs> I, I, trust um, me. It's like a special thing about, about a special kind of feeling when you can go back to these villages and 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 they're not used to foreigners coming back. Um, mm, yeah. They're used to people coming once, doing their Take research. Take a picture. And and then, yeah. yeah. Um, and the fact that we come back year after, I mean, not even year after year, um, quarter after quarter, we, wow. we go there at least once a quarter. Oh, wow. uh, I, I don't travel that much anymore um, because we have talented Tanzanian and Kenyan staff who visit um, on my behalf and that saves emissions. And it's also, mm-hmm. they're fluent in Swahili and I am not. <laughs> <laughs> um, some of my gemstone work really began with that initial um, program with, in Tanzania with these miners. And I um I ended up getting really sick with with breast cancer um so in 2017, and I remember when I was diagnosed, I just I remember thinking about the women I was meeting before I was I was sick and just like how lucky I was, and that's going to sound really weird, but how lucky I was compared to their situation, yeah, because they would have no idea um, if they were sick until it was too late, and here I was being diagnosed at stage two. Um, so stage two B, um, and I was being treated at Georgetown. I had excellent health insurance, um, and I felt lucky that we we found it so early. Versus in Tanzania, I, I eventually found out when I was talking openly about my cancer. Um, people would look at me. They're like, "I'm sorry, but we're not used to people surviving." Wow. And I just, I just realized my privilege, um, yeah. and I, I knew about it beforehand, but I just realized it. Uh, then and I just realized I just need to double down on women miners yeah. uh, when I when I get better and that's what I did. Yeah. So from there we started the Moyo program and uh, Moyo means heart in Kiswahili. Oh. Um, and uh, that was built on this initial GIA education. Yeah. Um, but I can talk about that a bit later. Yeah. Well, first I'm sorry that you had to go through breast cancer. I'm really sorry. I have like fa- many family members that have had it, so I'm very sensitive about it and i'm happy that you're okay and that you have the you know all the you know care that you needed and and i understand about seeing the privilege that we have compared to these countries that don't have the access that we have and it's just so sad 
you know, it, it makes me it, it, like it's some so always something that it lingers in my head. Like I'm every day, I'm very thankful for the things that I have, and I work really hard with you know with what I can to help others. But um, I really love. Can you tell me a little bit about Moyo um, and how you started it, and like what's the vision? Yeah. Um, so Moyo Gems is, um, I, I call it my dream come true, because mm-hmm. <laughs> um, it's focusing on women miners yeah. um, in East Africa, both Tanzania and Kenya. And we started in Tanzania in twenty. 18. I just finished breast cancer treatment um, and was rare, like raring to go, ready to put it behind me and then really focus on women because yeah. that's, I just realized that was um, what really interested in me. And, and my my boss at the time was saying, you know, Christina, you always light up when we talk about jewelry. <laughs> I want, you know, and your body is going to be going through so much. I want you to focus on one thing. And I think that yeah. should be jewelry. Yeah. So, um, uh, if that's why you've seen me more and more over the last six years is because um, I had the space, the mental space to kind of work on it more. Yeah. And I was told to focus on it. So, and, and, and I'm thankful for it. And I'm like, you know, focus on jewelry. Okay. <laughs> I know. If yes. you insist. <laughs> I'll make the sacrifice. <laughs> I know exactly. Sacrificial lamb. Um, <laughs> it's where her sparkles. Um, yeah, so, uh, yeah, so I had met these women in 2016, uh, in the mine sites, um, and then I got sick in 2017. So in 20, um, 2017, my colleague, uh, Norbert had gone out with GIA to run the program. Mm. And, um, yeah, these women leaned in and, um, in evaluations of the program, we always talked to them about, okay, what would you like to improve what would you like us to improve on how can we be better partner to you what else what other things um if we're able to find the funding what else what other kinds of things would you like to learn about and they said um you know thank you so much for being here it's changed our lives um but um we are still selling when we're hungry and uh we you know, we know what we have now um, and we know how to sort it by value, not just sell the rubies by the KG, for example, mm-hmm. yeah. um, but sort it by value. Um, we know how to, we feel much more confident in negotiation. We still have limited opportunities to sell because yeah. we're so, we're so remote. This is all in Kiswahili. This is the summarized English version <laughs> of it. And um, I, um, I kept thinking about that. And then I was speaking to different jewelry audiences because this is, this is when the jewelry um, industry summit was just starting. Mm-hmm. And a group called Ethical Metalsmiths had asked me to be an advisor to them. Mm-hmm. And the most common question I kept getting in front of jewelry audiences was, Christina, these ladies seem amazing. Um, can we buy from them? Because they mine rubies and sapphires and tourmalines and garnets and citrines and amethyst and all these things. They're like, you know, we, these are jewels that we use every day. Um, and the Umba Valley is famous for its gemstones. Mm-hmm. Um, can we buy from them directly? And so I kept thinking about that request plus the women's requests to, uh, for more opportunities. And I kept thinking, I think we have something here. Um, and then I went to the Chicago Responsible Jewelry Conference where I met two, two gem traders, uh, Monica Stevenson and Stuart Poole. Uh, Monica's in Seattle. Which we love her. <laughs> <laughs> She's, uh, she owns a company called Anza and Gems. Yeah. And Anza I... uh, means to begin in Kiswahili. Yeah. 
Uh, and she was also taken with East Africa. She's been there loads of times. Mm -hmm. And then Stuart had been um, sourcing rubies from Tanzania and uh, just wanted to be involved. And he saw me and Monica chatting and he like peers over like one of our shoulders and says, um, I don't know what you're talking about, but I want to be involved. <laughs> <laughs> so we always joke that he like gate crashed, but um, you know, he's a wonderful human. He runs a company called 1948. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, and he's very involved with the reform movements um, on the Europe and, and UK um, side to the pond. Yeah. So um, yeah. So he and Monica and me and um, a company called Everledger uh, went to Tanzania. Uh, to go meet the miners because they wanted to see the quality of the stones and meet the miners and understand what they wanted. And so we spent a couple days in an old school house um, from like a chalkboard from the 1960s, you know, and it's like peeling paint on the walls and, uh, you know, red earth. Um, uh, and I remember when we were introducing the, the team to the women and there's like 80 women there, um, you know, we had to say our names very slowly because we, we talked too fast and they didn't understand. And then, um, you know, I said, look, um, you know, we are, we want to see if you're interested in a supply chain built around you. Mm -hmm. uh, if, if yes, let's talk about it. If no, you still get lunch. Yeah. Yeah. So we were taught, we were kind of introducing the, the gem traders and uh, yes, asked if they want a, a, um, a supply chain built around them. And, you know, if you're interested, um, let's talk about it. If, um, if no, you still get lunch. Um, <laughs> and, um, and they were looking at each other saying, of course, we're interested in a supply chain focus on us. Are you, are you kidding? Yeah. And so for the next two days, um, we talked about their challenges and talked about how the supply chain worked and talked about whether they had pre-financing for their mine or not, which means did they have was somebody bringing food? Was somebody paying for the people who worked on the mine? And they said, no, no one fund, no one funds us. If we don't have money, we can't mine. We can't pay for workers. We can't, and they are workers themselves. Let's be clear. Um, but yeah, then we saw, we went to visit the mine sites. We saw women mining in groups because, you know, to overcome the physical differences between men and women, women divide the labor. So you'll mm -hmm. see them um, using a, um, a sieve with one person, with one person on each side, you know, dividing the labor, labor versus a man. They might use, do it on their own yeah um and they'll switch who digs um so they can provide some relief um yeah and so uh it was we knew we were on to something really exciting yeah. and we launched a year later after you know, some complications with law and i won't get into the weeds but <laughs> we had to wait a year yeah. <laughs> until we, we were fully legal as a as an, orga as an organization and yeah. uh, we would export rough material and um yeah, we we launched in 2019, and um, we were soon in Forbes, and then soon in Vogue, and then soon in like the Financial Times, and the industry um, loved what they were seeing. And I like to say that uh, we showed that traceability to the miner was possible, yeah. um, and we demonstrated it. And so um, I often say it's radical traceability. We will tell you the name of the miner who mined that gem. I love that. I love that. You know, before, you know, they were one, they were anonymous. We had yeah. no idea. And people kept saying, oh, it's impossible to trace the gems. It's impossible for a reason. Mm -hmm. People are hiding the source. Mm -hmm. 
Um, but when you begin at the source or, you get, or you're willing to untangle the, the, the supply chain, you can find out who's there. And those exactly. stories can be beautiful. Yeah. Um, and so now we're at 60% women. Uh, oh we have God. 40% men. We have allowed them in, mainly to make sure that they don't sabotage the program. Exactly. Um, and that we don't put anybody in harm's way. Yeah. Um, so, and then we expanded to Kenya last year because the, the Kenyan um, Women Miners Association is called AWAKE. They um, asked us to come and the World Bank um, provided some money. Mm. Um, so, um, that's how we expanded. And I keep getting messages from all over the world saying, please expand to Colombia, please expand to even Greenland. I'm <laughs> um, getting amazing. notes from Zimbabwe, you know, wow. Madagascar. And we want to grow very slowly because um, we want to make sure we're not growing too fast and we're exactly. growing responsibly. It's, so, yeah. yeah, it's, it's, I guess it's my dream come true to focus on women and really show the face of the minor. Yeah. And then improve the conditions slowly, progressively, um, but show that responsible sourcing is is possible, uh, mm-hmm. and to know your miner is possible. Exactly. And and I have a, a question: just how are designers and gemstone buyers? How are they being receptive to pay for the price of the gemstones compared to like buying from like the faceless mass-produced uh, mining? Are they open about it? Are they educating their customers about it? Like, is is have you had that conversation with the artists? Yeah, um, you know, it. I think Moya was able to be launched because the artists, the reformers, the small businesses, were the ones asking for this. Yeah, and they weren't getting the response that they wanted, um, yeah. that they were demanding, mm-hmm. and so, um, and good for them. And I think it's true for all industries that the, the small, like micro businesses are always the most um, creative and are on the forefront because they have to be. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and in this community, of course, they're artists and they, they when they realize that the materials they work with um, could be causing harm, they're horrified. Yeah. Um, so um, they're the ones who actually embraced the oil from the start. And because of the, the nature of artisanal mining, you know, we can't provide... 1000 the same kind of stone um same hue um mm-hmm. same you know same cut is impossible unless yeah. we scale in a in massive way mm-hmm. what comes out of the ground comes out of the ground exactly. um we have certain stones that are very common for us so like sapphires we have loads of them Gar- mm-hmm. uh, umba garnets loads tourmaline loads mm-hmm. um but um we're actually perfectly sized for the small jewelry artist um, and or small collections of the the bigger brands, and so um, yeah, and so it became it, at first it was a a matter of just basic transparency and and sh- and saying where it's from and saying you know a child did not mine the stone exactly Hadija did yeah and let me tell you about her yeah um, and that was something that I don't think anybody knew they wanted. Um, and now the conversations are shifting to, um, oh my God, oh my goodness, you're providing due diligence for us <laughs> and allowing us to access European markets because the EU has a human rights law mm-hmm. and due diligence requirements that you have to show that you're doing due diligence, which means some basic checks on um, making sure that it's not contributing to conflict, that you're not um, employing children somewhere in your supply chain, that you're not contributing to, to forced labor. Moyo can say that all true because mm-hmm. of the way we're set up, because yeah. I, me and my colleagues are in the field and the way the place, 
the the way that we selected this community. We decided to choose places that did not have a lot of drama. <laughs> um, because let's start the easier places first. Why start in the most complicated? Exactly. Um, and you know, Africa has fifty-four countries. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Why choose the ones that are you know that are complicated? Choose oh, ones that are lovely and easy. I know. And um, the thing is that there's a lot of ones that have like so much corruption, and like the politicians start like signing fake yeah. affidavits and like fake. They mm-hmm. own this land, but they really don't. All that different things that I know is happening in some of the countries in Africa. So it's it happens like, around the world, not just yeah. Africa, oh, let's be oh, clear. <laughs> yeah, for sure, for sure. Yeah. But I'm just saying specifically in Africa because you're working in Tanzania mm-hmm. and in Kenya, you know, so it's like it's really good that you're like concentrating in that and then maybe can expand to other countries, but like in a slow, responsible way. Correct. Which is yeah. amazing. Um, is there like unique challenges that the miners face? People will be surprised to know. Yeah. Um, so women in particular face enormous challenges that are different, but we'll yeah. just start with artisanal miners. Mm-hmm. Um, so imagine um, being eight hours in the capital city um, by by two hours of rough roads, six hours of good roads. Yeah. Um, and you're only, um, the only cell phone in the village um, is, sits on like this little plastic cup it's like a, a tree a tree branch and um you look at this tree and like it's like so it's like little plastic cup that's been has been cut just for this, this phone because in that one location you have signal oh my god <laughs> not data that just but just the cell phone service oh my god um and so um and there's no electricity in some of the villages um and it's you know subsistence farming some in some areas of the world like when I was in Malawi, for example, um, I was noticing some women um, after they farm and after it rains, um, they're actually out in the fields looking for gemstones. And I was like, how is that possible? It's because the rain has pushed down the the dirt and the gem yeah. has come to the surface. Yeah. And there they are picking out these uh, these these rhodolite garnets mm-hmm. um, from uh, from their fields. And they, they tried kind of digging deeper and it they've realized it actually disrupts the soil and gets rid of the productive soil. So they don't mm-hmm. want to dig too deeply. They'll just continue how they're doing this now. But uh, I remember one of my jewelry designers, who's a good friend of mine, she exclaimed, they're like rainwater garnets. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, you artists are amazing. <laughs> I love, I love the branding. Um, but oh. yeah, if I imagine being out there and then, um, you know, somebody telling you, Oh, you need to register for your license. Mm-hmm. And you're like, I'm just mining. I'm just mining after it rains. Why do I need a license? And who's mm-hmm. enforcing it? Exactly. Uh, there, there's no good reason for people who would register for a license, pay extra money to a government agency, uh, and then have to pay taxes on their sales when no one's checking and there's no benefit whatsoever. Exactly. So I always, uh, when people say, oh, these miners are unregistered, oh, they're informal, oh, they're illegal. I'm like, well, are there incentives for to legality? Because if there if there are not, why would people choose to do that? Why would people choose to become legal? You put a target on your back. Exactly. And then all the government officials or whoever know that you're mining and um, you have problems because mm-hmm. you become, regist- become, become legal. And so some places is actually a, um, a security issue um, for them uh, to, to become legal. So yeah. I don't really focus on it too much, except yeah. for Moyo, we did, we did, have a requirement mm-hmm. that they must um, show their mining on a legal license. And we've 
help them do that and then create the incentives around it. Yeah. Um, so they make between three and 10 times what they're making before <laughs> under oh, Moyo. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, and one of the requirements is, is legality, either proving you're on somebody else's license with their permission um, or showing that you have your own license or you're on a group license. So like there's 30 minors might be on one license. Which is the easier totally way. Legal. Yeah. Care. <laughs> yeah, it costs the same. <laughs> so um, there are ways to do it, but just some people are obsessed with the whole legal status. And I'm like, again, who cares? Yeah. Um, you have to create an incentive. Yeah, but the thing is that when you're like, when it rains and you see something on the floor, are you really mining in a way? <laughs> like when you're like looking at it like that, it's just like, I'm just picking what I see on the floor. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, I, I don't know. Well, it's called mineral selecting. Um, exactly. <laughs> and yeah, um, some, yeah, we consider that mining. Um, really? But yeah, but you're right. Like it's, it's benign from a environmental perspective mm-hmm. and that's a thing like mining you know is famous for deforestation but yes. it doesn't have to be you know in in tanzania where we work you have people you have picking up garnets after it rains that's all yeah. happens in malawi too you have people digging um either by themselves or a small group in a tunnel um to you know to find the gemstone deposits um and it's not an open cast mine it's a tunnel um and sometimes they're sometimes they they don't find anything so they just leave a tunnel sometimes they do and they keep going um from a deforestation perspective it's actually pretty benign mm-hmm. from a human health perspective now when you start mining underground that's where the that's where the problems begin where for human health because well, dust like um, the breathing and lungs. yeah, yeah. And in collapse, yeah, yeah. That's the that's the hardest part. Speaking of like the the forestation and and just trying to have more responsible mining. Um, can you talk to me about like climate change in mining mm-hmm. overall as an overall? Yeah. Um. So it depends where people are in terms of whether they're contributing to climate change. So let's just give you some some statistics. I've been talking a lot about gem mining so far because that's what I'm obsessed with. Mm -hmm. Um, But um, it's between 80-90% of all gemstones are mined by by artisanal and small-scale mining. Mm -hmm. 80-90% of -hmm. the labor force and production for colored gemstones. For gold, it's about 20% of all gold is mined um, each year by ASM. And for diamonds, same thing, about up to 20%. Um, gold is quite famous for um, its deforestation. And especially in Latin America, you'll hear a lot about this in Brazil, in Peru, um, in uh, Colombia, because um, they are well-financed. Mm-hmm. Not all miners, but some criminal miners. Um, yeah. I'll say, I'm, and I can say why I'm calling them criminal, criminal miners. Um, they're backed by drug cartels and, uh, you know, not all people are the same, not all miners are the same, right? No. They're in, in those contexts, you can take down trees with a bulldozer in a day and you'll you know, clear a couple hectares in a day mm-hmm. versus truly artisanal. That's impossible. Yeah. But small scale miners that are well financed by cartels, um, can pr- make some really pretty horrifying, um, environmental Damage. destruction. Which is why it's important to know where you're sort, where, where you're sourcing from, and what you're contributing to. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you'll often hear me say that you know most ASM are just villagers trying to make a living. Mm-hmm. But 
some are not. Um, and that's why the source question is so important to understand what you're supporting um, and, um, and, and who they are. Uh, because Hadesha is great. <laughs> Someone else who's cutting the, the Amazon and murdering indigenous people, mm-hmm. that's not something that you want to be uh, associated with, of course. Mm, of course. So um, gold has many more challenges and um, it is much harder to work on for lots of reasons. Um, luckily, I think for designers, there's the most options to work on gold. So you have, of course, recycled, certified recycled gold, quote unquote recycled. That's actually not any such thing, by the way. So just, just because it says recycled, don't believe it. Um, can, you, can you tell me a little bit about that? Um, just because I feel like not a lot of people understand why recycled gold is not really recycled. Yeah. Um, let's talk about that just in a moment. Let yeah. me finish the climate change so, question. Sorry. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. Um, so uh, you also have Fair Mind Gold. You have something called Just Gold. You have, and these are all programs that like Fair Mind, Fair Trade, <laughs> Just Gold. Um, these are all programs um, that know the source, the work mm-hmm. of the responsible miners. And jewelers and artists can buy the good stuff yeah. can buy gold that's beautiful. Yeah. Uh, because that that's been traced to the source and it's a, it's doing it's contributing to goodness mm-hmm. um and then you also have recycled but with climate change um especially in gemstone communities and then other other gold communities um the miners are the victims i've been telling people recently that um the biggest group of, group of miners in the moyo program are women but also um ex-farmers um, who've had to stop farming because of climate change, mm-hmm. because the rains are no longer consistent or sufficient for farming. And farming has always been risky, but it's now it's impossible to rely mm-hmm. on. I've been talking about this recently where I'm really concerned that but the jewelry industry under illusions of sustainability or wording of sustainability are actually disengaging from people who are most affected by climate change. Mm-hmm. Um that are possible allies in climate change. They're just, they're disengaging because of quote unquote sustainability reasons, environmental reasons. I was like, I can't think of a greater irony than that. Um, And wouldn't it be interesting if instead of looking at them as um, the the reason that trees are falling, they're not always the case, especially in gems and diamonds. Um, It's usually farming, by the way, (laughs) Um, that the number one contributor for deforestation in the world is farming. It's not Mm -hmm. mining. People don't know that, but mining just looks more violent. Um, uh, wouldn't it be interesting to turn some of these miners into change makers, green yeah. change makers, and um, green your supply chains through providing incentives to these miners? Mm-hmm. So something I'd love to see is um, us doing rehabilitation programs. Um, uh, and like the Moyo footprint, for example, that's it's like you know carbon sinks. Um, or, um, you know, we're capturing emissions and capturing carbon and reducing emissions. And, that, mm-hmm. and you know, your jewelry company not only is sourcing responsibly and, and making this huge social impact, but then also greeting your supply chain at the same time so that yeah. possibly di- diamonds or gold or sorry, diamonds or gems could actually be net zero. Yeah. Wouldn't that be interesting? And that's, I'd be like, that's like the holy grail. That's like something I'm working towards <laughs> in these next few years. Yeah, which is, is so important, especially right now when, you know, like the past three days have been the hottest days 
in, on earth mm-hmm. and it's scary when you think about it and yeah. like the deforestation is b- besides oil but deforestation is an, one of the biggest impacts of the earth being so hot and climate change and the people don't understand that and we need to have greenery we need to have trees we need to have cool the earth somehow so yes i i I completely understand and I'm on board. Yeah. I mean, I remember when we started Moyo, one of the, the ladies, a few of them were asking about how to repair the earth yeah. after they mine it. And I kept thinking, wow, they have an interest already. And can we build on this? Mm-hmm. Um, so why can't we? Yeah. So I just, I want to make sure that people aren't blaming miners for climate change. They mm-hmm. are affected by it. Um, and when you talk about um, environmental impact, gems and diamonds, artisanals are negligible <laughs> when it comes to, um, you know, measurable environmental impact. Gold's a different story. Um, but like I said, there's lots of options in gold. And we can talk about the recycled comment yes. if you like right now. Yes. Please. <laughs> can, you, can you tell me a little bit about how recycled gold is not considered recycled? Yeah. So, um you know, there's like this halo effect around mm-hmm. recycled gold, right? And mm-hmm. who doesn't want to support recycled? Mm-hmm. The problem is that recycled gold may be indeed post-consumer recycled. So like, you know, like a cell phone that's been, you know, has its gold, you know, taken out and then turned into, you know, a ring, uh, you know, with some other cell phones because of the trace gold in it. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's an open secret in the industry. If you go to any gold event, if you even ask the London Bullion Market uh, Association, the LBMA, they will tell you that there's a problem with uh, fraudulent uh, recycled claims and uh, gold being um, exported from conflict zones that are actively contributing to conflict, um, being exported as quote unquote recycled or melted down. Therefore, they can actually claim the word recycled. Exactly. <laughs> Um, exported to Dubai, where it's imported as recycled, and then exported as recycled to you. Mm-hmm. That is conflict gold that's been melted down once to mm-hmm. be exported as recycled. Yeah. Um, and that's something that's, you know, I think if you ask any consumer what they would think about that, they would be outraged. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think most makers would be outraged that, you know, that that's happening and it's open secret within the industry. So, um, uh, um, I, so I, I was, warn people, you know, be careful about your claims. Um, and if you're really, if you really want to be green, get the certified post-consumer recycled gold, mm-hmm. because that's the only way that you'll know, um, unless you really know you're a finer, um, mm-hmm. and, and they really know that they, where, they're, where they're sourcing from, whether it's actually truly uh, what they claim it is. That's the, it's like the research that the artists need to make. Like, I think as a, as an industry, especially, um, I like to support like smaller independent artists. And so for me to give this information out there for them to listen to, I think is very important because a lot of people see, oh, recycle goal. And it's just that greenwashing that tell them what they want to hear. Yes. You know, a lot of people are, telling themselves, oh, we're like 100% cardboard neutral as a company. And I'm like, you make that in China. Like I can see it. It's it's like transparency is very important for small independent artists right now. And they not only need to look for transparent, trusting suppliers, but they also have to do the same to the customer. And we really want to educate people and really want to make sure that they are making the right decisions when purchasing something because it's like and i think it's important to create the that chain to from the women's miners give them the fair 
price for what they they exactly. want, they're working for. The beauty is that there's actually lots of options available now. So like five years ago, no, mm-hmm. there wasn't. Um, really only in gold was there options um, and, and sourcing from responsible artisanal sources. Yeah. Um, now we have loads of options. And mm-hmm. so what I always say to people is, buy the good stuff. Um, For gold, buy post-consumer recycled, um, certified post-consumer recycled. Um, I I say buy Fairmind, Mm -hmm. which is run by a a wonderful organization in Colombia called the Alliance for Responsible Mining. Um, Fair Trade Gold. Um, You can get all these things from Hoover and Strong and then from another group um, up in New York, Riva. Riva Mm -hmm. Precision. And Riva does now um, Fairmind Chain which mm. has not been available. So um, mm. if you want to buy the good stuff and support a small business, uh, you can buy from one of those two places if you're in the U.S. And if you're elsewhere, I don't know yet, but I can start looking into that for you. Okay. Um, yeah. And for gemstones, um, of course, you have Moyo. You have Columbia Gem House, which has been yeah. acting there you know, responsibly for years. They're mm-hmm. like the granddaddy of responsible sourcing. Yeah. Um, and they're pretty transparent about what they know about a mine, mm-hmm. uh, about a source. Um I think it's if it's if it's full traceability and they have ongoing projects, they'll give it a one score. Mm. If um, they know if it's and, and they and they if it's like number five, they know a little bit about it, but they don't know everything, so they mm. have they disclose what they know. Um, so yeah, you have Moyo, you have Columbia Gem House, you have a group called Mina Stones in Nigeria, which is a fantastic shop over there, mm. and you have um, Virtue Gems. Um, and then in diamonds, um, you have Gem Fair, which is by De Beers, which I know it's funny. <laughs> I'm saying artisanal, but it's by, by De Beers. <laughs> we can get into that if you'd like. Um, and then there's a new source uh, that's also from Sierra Leone, but it's um, a young Sierra Leonean guy's running it. And it's legit. It's called Root Diamonds. And they were inspired by Moyo. And um, I'm uh, I'm I'm helping them as an advisor. Not it's um, it's unpaid, but uh, just to help them get their feet under them. And so yeah, there's lots of options these days. Um, And so you buy those options, even if it's like starting small, and then you progressively improve by you know starting to set your Moyo gems and Fairmine gold, and then you tell it you tell your consumer about this and what you know um, and what they're contributing to. I think that is luxury, Um, Mm -hmm. and that. I'm hoping that will get consumers excited about mine gems again yeah. is by having a kind of differentiated experience. You know, you know that you're, you're, you're doing good by purchasing a stone. It looks beautiful and you're doing good. The most important thing right now is like to really educate the customers. It's like really have the conversations with them. Not only like the, the stores needs to be educating their salespeople, but the artists, when they go to fairs, they really need to have these conversations with customers and get them engaged and excited about it. Mm-hmm. You know, I feel that right now customers are afraid of buying something because it's like, where is this from? Like the yes. people that really care. And it's about having those great conversations and having those the education to the customer because I feel like the customer has it's like either they go to the big brands or they just go to the the cheaper stuff but I think it's like when you start buying artisan that really care about the environment is such a different uh, experience and I personally feel so good when I buy from somebody that I know where things are from and you know like they're really transparent their work I I love that and most of my 
my pieces are from like people that really care about the environment and really try to be responsible where they source stuff. And I think, you know, small designers, you know, I, I have been talking for a few minutes now about all the different aspects of, of Moyo, for example, Moyo Gems, but you don't have to know everything about it. You can just yeah. say, you know, I source Moyo gems or whatever it is, um, you know, for these reasons. Um, if you want to know more about it, here's a website. Yeah. And that way they can self-educate. And so you don't have to feel like you have to know every single thing. Yeah. Um, you can do your research and find out. And then the consumer can, will feel more assured because there's something else saying what you're also saying. Exactly. This conversation First of all, you have to open my eyes to like all the things that I didn't know about, which I'm very thankful for. And I really think that we need three more other conversations because <laughs> it's like, you know, I think we've covered a lot of stuff, but I, there's so much more that we need to cover. And I know that the listeners are going to really and, you know, really listen to this and really love it. You are, you have so many points that are amazing. Oh, thank you. <laughs> um, I'm going to just give you like, couple of compulsory questions that I have. Um, mm -hmm. I like to ask everybody just because that's that's how I roll. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, what's your favorite gemstone now that you have seen so many? I love Umba garnets. Mm. Um, I also love, I've also come to love sapphires. Um, but garnets are so beautiful. Uh, they're like the rich, like pungent colors. Mm -hmm. um, they're also more affordable. So I, I work for a nonprofit. So that's, you know, I keep being real. <laughs> <laughs> um, but like the bright colors, um, you know, people can't see you right now, but um, uh, you have a pink microphone that you're using. It's like that we have some some garnets of that pink, like a fuchsia. Yeah. It's, re it's remarkable. And yeah, so I would say that uh, Traceable Garnet to one of the programs that um, I know very well would be my favorite. Awesome. Uh, what's your favorite metal? Metal. metal. Mm, I like the affordability of silver. <laughs> <laughs> I don't like how it tarnishes. And I'm like, I'm just not someone who will keep up and like clean the silver. I just, I just don't do it. I have yeah. silver cleaning material. I just don't do it. So I prefer um, gold, mm -hmm. but you know, <laughs> it has to be like gold filled. <laughs> um, gold plated <laughs> is not my jam you know, because I wear my jewelry so often it comes, you know, it can come off. Yeah. So I'm, I prefer either solid gold or gold filled. Yeah. You know, I, I know you're not a jeweler, but I'm sure that you've seen many different techniques. Um, what's your favorite technique or tool? Hmm. Or it can be well, in the, in the um, world of like mining. <laughs> I might surprise you. Um, so I like the hammer hand piece. Um, and um, and you might be surprised by that because um, I was a hobbyist silversmith during the pandemic. Um, and um, I love that. I convinced my, I convinced Pat to pay for it <laughs> um, because I was like, I want to know why why silversmiths and others like choose the materials they do, yeah. and I want I want more like insight into the decisions um, and where all the gaps are in the industry. And mm -hmm. I learned a huge gap was um, you know like the uh, the melee, and I learned yeah. a huge gap was beads. Yeah, um, beads is like the wild wild west. Color gems used to be the wild west. Beads are like the wild 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 west. Oh, um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's because of the price point, and then um, yeah. So if anybody wants to team up on beads, let me know. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so I like the hammer hand piece because I like texture in um in my my metal. I don't like just like a highly polished. I like the texture. Yeah, I love that too. Um, who's your favorite designer? Doesn't need to be jewelry, can be anything. A woman named Jennifer Dawes. 
Um, mm-hmm. And uh, she was one of the first people I met in the um, reform movement. Mm-hmm. And I didn't even know her. And uh, she's on the board of, of ethical metalsmiths. And I told ethical metalsmiths I could not meet them in New York because I didn't have the budget with impact to pay for a hotel there. So I'm sorry, I can't attend your, <laughs> your meeting. And Jennifer, we didn't even know each other. She's like, stay with me. I have a hotel room. And I was like, <laughs> okay. So <laughs> um, she had like an extra bed in her room. And so we slept in the same room, like the same day we met each other. Um, very and then <laughs> her designs are so beautiful, like kind of like organic. Yeah. She loves colored gems. Mm-hmm. I love colored gems. I love color jump because they're interesting. And, you know, um, I'm Latin, so I love bright colors. <laughs> um, I can always tell when it's like Jennifer's work because, um, Jen Dawes' work, because um, she has a very distinct style. It's very yeah. organic. It's, mm-hmm. um, it's just gorgeous. Um, and I've been in the Steve Quick jeweler, um, mm-hmm. jewelry gallery in Chicago. And I didn't know she was even uh, had had a space there. But I like walked up to and I was like, who is this? Oh my goodness, it's so beautiful. And it was Jen. And I even know. So um, yeah, so I love her values. I love her um her aesthetic. Um, and then I also love her generosity and the fact that she was an early mover in this reform space. Yeah, that's that's lovely. She's she's a very lovely person for sure. And I mm-hmm. love her work. Um, but do you listen when you work? Listen to NPR. <laughs> so boring no it's good um, I, yeah. I while i drive here <laughs> while i drive yeah when um i wish i was i wish i was better into music but i'm not um i love it but i can't tell you like the artists i follow i mean i love rihanna i like i can tell you those like taylor swift those kind of people but like um i guess it's like weakness i just uh, i'm not it doesn't i don't know like lyrics that well that kind of thing so um, I always like listen to top, you know, top forty. But yeah, I'm usually listening to NPR. That's like that's a good thing that's to listen. Really. We need to know what's happening in the world. Um, do you have any advice yeah. for future jewelry artists? Yeah, um, my advice is to um, start somewhere. Just choose something to work on. I think when you start learning about all the sustainability issues and responsibility issues, it's really easy to get overwhelmed. Mm-hmm. And you're like child labor. Uh, you know, mercury poisoning in gold, like they use cyanide in gold, what? <laughs> um, mm-hmm. uh, you know, civil conflict, like where, how do I as a jeweler even engage? Mm-hmm. And um, so I always say, you know, start small and then progressively improve. That's the same thing we ask the miners. Let's yeah. try, it's like start somewhere and then just get better and better and better. Um, and and, um, and then, then communicate about it. Communicate mm-hmm. like why you're choosing certain things because if you're not communicating, People will assume you're not doing it exactly. um, and they won't give you the credit that you should deserve. So mm-hmm. um, there's this woman I, who I also love. Uh, her name is Bliss Lau and she's mm-hmm. in New York. Mm-hmm. And a woman in Wing Lau is also in New York. But um, both of them are so humble. They're so talented. They're so humble. And um, Bliss was telling me about how it took her years to start talking about some of her practices because she kept thinking, oh, I'm not worthy to talk about it. But what she was doing was she was, she was on the vanguard of the movement and she wanted to give herself credit. So, um, I, you know, if you're not communicating, people will assume you're not doing it. And you, so even if it's small, start yeah. communicating about why well, you're, why are you shouting there? And one, one last thing is like, what do you want people feel when they wear like the Moyo gems? Um, I, want people to know the name of the miner that mine that gem and so when you purchase from monica or stewart 
We've actually expanded the number of traders we're working with. So a guy named Emmanuel Piot is also an authorized trader. Um, and we do a traceability in such a way that they will be able to tell you the name of the miner when you buy the gem. Um, and if you can transfer that to the consumer, that's like even more special. So like Fatuma's, you know, Garnet. Um, uh, and know that um, a woman, Daunzamai, was treated with respect and dignity Give a fair price. She negotiated that, and we have term of tables power-wise um, in that that area, keeping an eye on safety. Um, and I'm always happy to answer those questions too. Um, but um, we've never ha never had problems um, because we've been very very careful. Um, but that gem is a signal of empowerment and true beauty. Mm -hmm. um, so you know, moyo means heart in Kiswahili, and um, yeah, so like they're gems from the heart. Um, yeah. that's, that's one way to think about it. I love that. Christina, you're amazing. Oh, thank you. <laughs> I, wish I, can, I wish I can talk to you more. Like, I just like, first of all, this is, we're, we're gonna, I'm hoping we're gonna have a second conversation because okay. I feel like we just like scrapped the first surface and there's yeah. so much more that we have to talk about, but like, anytime, honestly, like really like puts things in such a great perspective and I'm really enjoying I really enjoy talking to you. I have to say, like, you have really filled my brain and my heart with, like, so much knowledge. Anytime. Uh, yeah, we'll have a part two. You just do one. <laughs> oh, my God. Definitely. We have to do that. But thank you so much for taking the time talking to me. I really appreciate it. I know that a lot of people are going to really appreciate this conversation. It's it's so important to have that. Um, they can find me on um, Instagram or threads. I just join threads. Um uh it's christina.rocks and christina c-r-i-s-t-i-n-a dot rocks um so it's a latin way of spelling christina <laughs> um and so i'm at that way with both um yeah instagram and threads i'm gonna quit twitter soon and then i'm on linkedin as well so people are happy you know welcome to follow and then interact and, and hopefully we'll see them at a reform conference perfect and the website for the mojo gems like what what is that? Uh, it's moyo moyogems.com so m-o-y-o gems.com Perfect. I'm actually the webmaster as, as well. So <laughs> and they have and they, have, like, a, and they have an Instagram oh, like page. The, yes, we have an Instagram page. It's like <laughs> at, at Moyo Gems. We don't have threads. We probably, we probably won't do threads. Yeah. But uh it, we do have an Instagram page. Yep. Oh my gosh. So you're like their webmaster, their GIA, like educator, their everything. You no. Know, like like you know like makers they have to be you know janes of all trades jacks of all trades um you know uh same with startups <laughs> you know exactly. um, industry changing startups so well, you're doing something um, special for uh, sure thank you. <laughs> so, thank you so much my pleasure thousand facets is produced and edited by me please visit a thousand facets on instagram to see photos of some of the things we spoke about during the interview music by chris keys you can find him on Instagram at Chris underscore keys underscore underscore. Please remember to rate us on Apple Podcasts. Thank you so much. <laughs>